0: Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for the Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. And I welcome you to the broadcast. This is Jeremiah Johnston, and this is the program that takes your questions seriously. And as I have said for years in our ministry of Christian Thinker Society, if Christianity is true, it should be able to take your deepest, darkest, most difficult questions. And guess what? It can. And as I've said many times, we take those questions not first to Google, but to God's Word, and we get into the mind of Jesus Christ. We have a biblical worldview when answering these difficult questions. And we all really live in that tension of difficult questions, don't we? And friends, today is a program that I believe is going to minister to your heart and life in specific, powerful ways. And I want you to think with me for a moment. What do you think is an issue that I get asked about Times hundreds, times thousands of times. Well, there's lots of issues you could choose, but without a doubt, fear and anxiety. You could just boil thousands of questions that you all submit to me through askjjj.com into one of those two categories. It's either an issue of fear or it's an issue of anxiety. We all face it. And today I want to discuss your questions and your issues around fear and anxiety. And we're not going to do it alone. I've reached out to a phenomenal friend and expert by the name of Dr. Carol Peters Tanksley. Now, what's phenomenal about Dr. Carroll, she actually has two doctorates because she is a board-certified medical doctor, OBGYN. She's a fellow Texan, but that's just a footnote. Uh, Secondly, she also is called Dr. Doctor because she also earned her Doctor of Ministry degree. So she is an expert on the integration of wholeness for body, mind, and soul. So she not only deploys this fabulous academic and medical experience in her years of experience as a practitioner of medicine, but she also helps people with a doctor of ministry now under her belt experience the wholeness and really the fully alive living that Jesus Christ has promised. So I want to do a deep dive and I want to ask these questions that you're facing. And We're not going to hold back. I want to discuss with Dr. Carroll because she's also a reproductive endocrinologist. So she's worked at, around all kinds of fertility issues. You know my story. If you know anything about Jeremiah Johnston or my family, our ministry, you know about our, uh, our living through infertility for years. So I want to talk to her about the ethical implications of infertility. I want to discuss issues around fear and anxiety. And then I want to dedicate an entire segment to grief. Friends, I receive your questions, so many of them. For those of you who are struggling with grief, with loss, and it can be so debilitating, so isolating. And Dr. Carroll has written a phenomenal book called The Christian's Journey Through Grief. She herself lost her husband just three years ago. I look forward to asking about what we can learn, what we can know, what, how can we have hope? when we feel like we're dying inside with grief. This is going to be a phenomenal program. It's going to minister to you. It's going to equip you. We're going to give you content, not just information. So you're going to leave this program today with deep wisdom. Wisdom that is going to impact you immediately, and it's going to improve you just as a result of listening and engaging with this broadcast. So let me encourage you, if you can, if you're not driving, uh, get out something to write with. This is a program where you're going to want to write things down. You're going to learn something today, Bible students. So stay with us. And, of course, if you're driving down the road, that's a great reason to subscribe to the podcast so you can listen to it again. I'm so excited to have you joining us today. I will be right back with my special guest, Dr. Carol Peters Tanksley. Stay with us. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnson Show on Faith Radio Network. Friends, welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I'm joined today by Dr. Dr. Carol Peters-Tanksley. Dr. Carol, thank you so much for being on the program today.
1: Oh, it is a pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: Dr. Carol, you have this amazing wealth of experience as both a medical doctor, an OBGYN, but while you're practicing amazingly you also received your doctor of ministry your DMin from Oral Roberts University and so you've had this phenomenal experience in your life of ministering not only for individuals physical care but now also their really a holistic fashion the spiritual care of their mind Heart, soul, and body. Can you just expound on your experience? I mean, what caused you, Doctor Carol? Because I always love to get to know our guests. What caused you to go from <laughs> medical doctor? I mean, obviously, you're busy. To Doctor Doctor Carol. <laughs> uh,
1: well, th- thank you. It was a God thing. You know, that, that's the short answer. I remember back, uh, even in undergraduate high school and undergraduate at college, I was always very interested in. You know how the church worked and reading the bible i i 'd read the Bible for years. I actually took Greek as an undergrad in college wow. um, while I was moving toward medical school, so it had always been a factor there and And I saw medicine as a ministry um, God working to make man whole, and that was certainly yes. a big part of the ministry of Jesus. But as I uh, started in practice and and over the next couple of years. I became completely convinced that I could write prescriptions, I could do surgeries, but I couldn't mm. heal people.
0: Mm. That
1: was that was God's work. And so stepping up to collaborate with God in an extra dimension uh started to just really, you know, burn in my soul and I will never forget the moment on the freeway as I was driving to the hospital one morning when God just laid something on my heart that was so strong that morphed and developed into going to seminary and eventually my doctor of ministry. So it was one of those journeys that God had me prepared for in ways I didn't even know and has turned into more than I could have ever expected.
0: And friends, I want to encourage you right at the outset to connect with Dr. Carol and her ministry at www.drcarolministries.com, as well as her wonderful social media feeds, which are updated regularly at, at Dr. Carol T on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, can we just d- dig a little bit deeper? What What do Christians need to know about caring for their bodies, minds, and souls that they don't? I mean, what's your immediate go-to?
1: Genesis 2-7, the way we are created, is an integrated whole. The uh, common way that some groups in Christianity talk about our humanness is that, you know, I am a spirit, I have a soul, I live in a body. And it's not that that's wrong. But God didn't create us as separate pieces, like three boxes, one inside the other, or three stones, one on top of the other. Genesis 2-7 says that God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. Uh, The the totality of our humanness, our livingness, incorporates all these dimensions, including our our physicalness, our our human bodies that return to dust, including our, our minds and emotions and you know our our spirit that connects with God, but they are not separate; they are all integrated. You can't separate the different parts of our humanness from each other. You can't separate mm-hmm. the physical, emotional, relational, or spiritual parts of you from each other any more than you can separate the flour, sugar, eggs, and salt in a loaf of bread. We are baked together into an integrated whole. And when you and I, Jeremiah, take action in one dimension of our lives, it impacts all those other dimensions.
0: Mm, mm, That's powerful to think about. So um, not caring for myself physically can affect me spiritually?
1: Think of it this way. Have you ever tried to have a really deep time of prayer with God when you are struggling with a horrible headache? Yes, Mm. you can pray. But it impacts your ability to hear him. When you are more tired, when you feel sluggish because your body is clogged up with unhealthy food, your sense of his spirit, your sense of his presence and ability to hear his voice is impacted. It's not that it's closed off, but it is impacted. Same thing with our relationships. Uh, you know, it says in, in the New Testament, husbands, live with your wives in a loving way, lest your prayers be hindered. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it your relationship impacts your ability to interact with God at the dimension that He wants. So yes, these are all interconnected.
0: Mm. What do you say to individuals who think, "Oh, I can just compartmentalize my spiritual life. I can compartmentalize my physical life. You know, let you know, hey, we're all free in Christ, brother. Uh, you know, I've heard every kind of thing you can imagine, and I'm sure there are people that struggle with these questions. But as a medical doctor and as a spiritual doctor, what is your answer? As a doctor of souls, as you've been dubbed,
1: uh, you can try. And your standing with God eternally is secure. If you have said yes to Jesus, that your, your, your eternal uh, salvation is, is solid. But if you want to be as useful to God as possible, if you want to experience the life that Jesus came to give us, you will have to give him access to all these different parts of your life. You know, Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's just not life spiritually. Yes, it is. It absolutely is life spiritually, but it also includes life in all these other areas. And because we are integrated whole human beings, God's best for us demands that he have access to all these other areas of our lives. You know, periodically throughout my experience with God, and I'm sure every listener who's honest will say the same thing, periodically the Holy Spirit will reach his hand into some place in your life and pull something up and say, here, this needs to change. Let me change you here. And that may be a lifestyle thing. It may be a way you relate to other people in relationships. It may be a thought pattern that you have. Or it may be something more directly in your worship and following of Jesus. But all of – he cares about it all.
0: Hm. Friends, again, if you're just joining us on Faith Radio Network, we're listening to Dr. Carol, and I want you to go to her website, drcarolministries.com. And I'm just fascinated by your bio, Dr. Carol. I'm fascinated by the wealth of experience that you're already bringing on this phone call. I just love some of the things you've said. You could treat people, but only God can heal. Uh, And we're an integrated wholeness. We have this holistic outlook that I just love that you're teaching us today on the program. I also love the fact that you've worked in reproductive endocrinology. I don't know (laughs) if you know this, but I have five children, and my wife and I were unable to get pregnant for five years. And I always tell people, be careful what you pray for, because we went from one to two, and then we just had triplets three years ago. Oh wow! You know, uh,
1: yes, uh, that is that is so awesome, Jeremiah. I Say to new parents, whenever, whenever it's appropriate, that every new life is a miracle from God. Mm. A new baby is God's opinion that the world should go on. So Amen. I, 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 I <laughs> do think that that is connected.
0: Um, uh, I just, I'm just i tickled by that because what's amazing, and I don't mind sharing this on this program, but all of our babies were conceived on the same day um, in 2008 when we did our, infertili- our in vitro fertilization. Um, so it's just fascinating to think that all of our babies, even though they're different ages, we have a 10-year-old, 7-year-old, and three 3-year-olds as of this weekend, um, are technically the same age in God's eyes.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, I appreciate you you being honest about that. Back when I was in medical school, uh, just going through the, the basic science training, the part that overwhelmed me, perhaps more than any other single facet of our humanness was studying embryology, how yes. one single cell grows and develops into a human being. And I I remember at that point being overwhelmed at the miracle. When I when I learned how all these different layers of cells, for example in the face, we I, I don't think ninety nine point nine percent of people understand how miraculous it is every time a face forms in a child. There are Mm. multiple layers of cells that grow from opposite sides and have to meet in the middle perfectly. And if they don't meet in the middle perfectly, deformities can happen. And and we know some of those sad cases in our our world impacted by sin. Sometimes that, that doesn't go quite right. But to see how that has to happen perfectly every single time a child is born.
0: Hmm. What is your message to just the the culture in which we live about life? I mean, you are an OBGYN, you're board certified. um, What do you think about life, Dr. Carroll? And what should our listeners know?
1: That it is precious. Uh, I don't know how anyone can understand how a human grows from that single cell and how early evidence of life is there and and take it take it lightly I, you know there has been so much emphasis on you know women's rights and reproductive rights and so on in our contemporary world uh, and we forget the value of of life so much beyond That's what we so can true. even even see with with our human eyes i i pause in saying that because some branches of the christian church have have taken the the pro life stance in a way again that only values Certain certain branches of life more than others, and, and we need right. in the body of Christ to be just as concerned about, for example, the long-term life of that young woman who is carrying a child. No mm. woman wakes up in the morning and says, I want to destroy the life of my child. Mm. Uh, that, that just doesn't happen. There are always so many layers there, So, so often so much trauma and pain, and, and we need to be as sensitive to all of those aspects of life. I believe that's the way God would want us to be, that oh. life is precious.
0: Amen. And friends, if you're just joining us, we're just beginning the conversation. Dr. Carol is an accomplished author. She has five books to her name. She has hundreds of articles. She has wonderful podcasts. She herself did a radio show with her late husband for six years. So much content. And friends, I want you to stay with us. We've got to jump to a break for 90 seconds, but when we return, I want to continue discussing faith and science and what Dr. Carol has learned from her practice and her experience both in medicine and ministry. And again, remember, she was dubbed Doctor of Souls by by the seminary dean and Dr. Doctor by our classmates. I'm just tickled by this. Uh, But when we return, I want to immediately go to Overcoming Fear and Anxiety Through Spiritual Warfare, a book that she just released not long ago. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. I'm joined with Dr. Carol Peters-Tangsley. I want you to follow her on social media. She is a gifted medical doctor and a gifted theologian. She has two doctorates. That's why she's known as Dr. Doctor or even Doctor of Souls. Her website, drcarolministries.com, and again, her social media, Dr. Carol T. That's at Dr. Carol T. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Audrey and I love her ministry. I just wish we lived closer to her, although we're both fellow Texans. Dr. Carol, I want to ask you something that, uh, and this is a program that is built on questions that Christians have today, because the Christian faith is all about making sure our faith connects up well with the questions culture is asking today. That's the message of apologetics today in our world. Christians struggle with this whole question of infertility, I have written about it extensively in my book and Bible study, Unanswered. I have ministered with individuals. I know you have far more extensively as a medical doctor and as a board-certified OBGYN. What do Christians need to know about infertility? But then I'm going to ask you to answer more specifically, what about Christians who will even go so far as to say, you know, I would never do in vitro fertilization. That's all just unethical. What is your answer to that as a Christian physician and as a doctor of ministry?
1: Mm. thanks for asking it. Those are important questions. The first thing that I would say to Christians is that God cares about infertility. There are numerous stories in scripture. Um, Hannah comes to mind, uh, Rachel comes to mind just two right off the top of my mind and the the desire that God put in a majority of human hearts, men and women, to have a child is is from him. Now, that doesn't mean every couple will choose to or will have, but that desire is God-given. I have some very good friends, a couple, who have had longstanding infertility, and the, the pain that they have gone through and, and wrestling with this personally, between the two of them, and, and spiritually— It's very real. And and that is because of the desire God put within us. Mm. Now, with our modern technology, uh, we certainly have the ability to to do things that up until just 50 years ago would have been unthinkable. Mm -hmm. And whenever humans develop a new um, ability, it can be used for good or for ill. That's right. Uh, There are, uh, I believe very legitimate and God-honoring ways to use the technology that is available now in building families. One way I might liken it is to our cell phones. I don't think any Christian, uh, the vast majority, would say that having a cell phone is ungodly, but God knows there are all kinds of ungodly ways to use it. Hmm. Similarly, with the technology that we have available in the understanding of the human body, in... Helping a woman's hormonal system in even in vitro fertilization, so I firmly believe that biblically and theologically we can support a husband and a wife using the tools of modern infertility treatment to build their family. Um, I I think that the, just going through in vitro fertilization itself is not unethical or unbiblical. I do believe that there are some ways in which it is used that can be very questionable. Mm, uh, yes. I've seen I've seen very painful circumstances happen for example in what's called third party reproduction, surrogate parenting, uh, you know, donor eggs, donor sperm and, and that kind of thing can create some some real problems. Another yeah. issue that comes up today is what to do with the frozen embryos? That's and right. Jeremiah, you mentioned your family. All <laughs> yep. all your five children were technically, you know, conceived on the yep. same day. So so you had that very uh, decision to make in in your yes. own family. And I think the important thing is that for a husband and a wife who are choosing to use these tools in a God honoring way to build their family, they need to have a specific plan. About how those embryos, if there are extra embryos, God willing, formed, how those other embryos will will be dealt with. A, a human embryo is not a fully formed human, but it is precious,
0: That's and right. we
1: we cannot think of that embryo once formed as simply scientific material. Um, so a couple may choose, for example, to. Uh, freeze them and have them implanted later themselves, they may choose to donate them. There are many couples who would be willing to accept embryo donation who do not have, you know, uh, either, you know, the eggs or the sperm between them. And, and it's like adoption. Embryo adoption yeah. can be a, a God-honoring way. That That's a short overview, but it's certainly an area that I have thought about and had to make um, – choices in the parts of medicine and how I will use these technologies as a physician because that is an area that I I have been trained in and have experience in. So I've had to deal with those issues.
0: And friends, I want to commend to you Dr. Carroll's Guide to Women's Health. Uh, this is a book where she writes about these different questions. She has an entire chapter dedicated to the sound bites that we've just been listening to, uh, Doctor Carroll. I would just be interested um, because I receive hundreds of questions around this issue of infertility. As a as a physician and also as a doctor of ministry, how do you answer the individual who says, "Okay, we're done having our family. We have one or two embryos left over. What do I do now?" And can you just explain for those who may be hearing the words in vitro fertilization? the very first time that you know, most clinics without I mean, we will just destroy these embryos if you don't tell them otherwise. But can you just um, discuss this a little bit further and how you've advised uh, patients in the past?
1: Sure. Uh, it certainly can be that if you do not direct the clinic what to do with the extra embryos that are formed, the clinic may uh, use them for, for scientific research or may destroy them. And I have real problems with those yes. directions ethically and, and morally. As as believers who value the life that only God can bring when there is an embryo there, um, I, I believe it needs to it needs to be treated with respect. Fair and not. I believe that the that the best God honoring way to treat those embryos is to either Accept them to be implanted and uh, trust God that, you know, if he wants to have another child in your family that you accept that or to specifically donate them under embryo adoption. I think those Mm -hmm. are the two best God honoring ways to Mm. to deal with extra embryos.
0: So powerful, friends. And these kinds of discussions are the kinds of thinking and discussions that Christians and believers need to be able to have. And the whole reason that I began this second segment with Dr. Carroll is because I recently heard a Christian, well-meaning, fine Christian, by the way, well-meaning brother in Christ, say, oh, in vitro fertilization is all bad. You know, I would never do that. And this person just... Uh, had the common denominator. They just simply were totally uncritical in the things that they were saying. And so, Dr. Carroll, I so appreciate you answering these questions and helping us think deeply as a physician, as a doctor of ministry, and as a sister in Christ about these issues. That's really what the Christian faith is all about, being able to think deeply about these things. I, I want to jump now to fear and anxiety, another major issue, so much so that, of course, I don't know anyone who hasn't struggled with anxiety at one time or another, but what I love so much and what I appreciate uh, what I would use is the word fresh about your ministry, Dr. Carroll. Um, what is your message to the individuals listening, male and female, who are struggling right now with debilitating anxiety? What is your message as a medical doctor and as a mm. doctor of ministry?
1: I've been there, and you don't have to stay there. That's, mm. that's the short message. It was, oh, over 20 years ago now, when I was a, a young woman, uh, I went through some years of overwhelming distress. I had various medical mental health diagnoses and was getting various treatments and, and didn't find any relief for some time. And God didn't zap me out of that in a moment, but he did take me on a process and the tools that I learned, um, have made an enormous difference in in my life. I am not there anymore. I'm not white knuckling it not to fall apart. The sound mind that God promised us in uh, in, uh, Timothy, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, That is something to contend for. Each of us has an area of vulnerability, some area in our uh, humanness that uh, may respond to the hits from our messed up world in in a uh, less than strong way. And so we may have to take extra effort in a given area to uh, shore up that part of our humanness and to accept the life that God has to give us in that area with more intentionality. So mm. as I came out of my period of distress, I learned some amazing tools, and, and frankly, Jeremiah, I still practice them you know, on a daily basis. It's become part of my lifestyle, but because of that, uh, I, I'm not back there trying not to fall apart. Even when I went through the, the death of my husband a little over three years ago, yes, it was excruciatingly painful, but it didn't put me back in that pit of Amen. overwhelming distress.
0: Mm. We only have about a minute and a half, but can you just talk about, uh, and friends, this book is phenomenal, Overcoming Fear and Anxiety Through Spiritual Warfare. Can you talk about how you begin part two about guarding our hearts, how important it is to guard and protect our hearts?
1: Proverbs says, guard your heart, it's the wellspring of life. And that implies so many things. You can think of your mind as uh, a computer and that's that's an old illustration but the input that you take in makes a difference if you want the output of positive thoughts positive feelings positive emotions positive resilience it is important that you pay attention to the input that you take and that makes that means keeping the bad stuff out and intentionally getting the good stuff in So that that includes paying attention to the media that you allow Mm -hmm. in, paying Mm -hmm. attention to the people that you're around, and then intentionally investing in healthy, nourishing, mental, emotional nourishment. We have a choice about the food our minds take in. Just like our physical food, we have a choice, and it makes a difference the kind of food that we feed on.
0: Friends, that's just strategy one of six proven strategies from a medical doctor and a doctor of ministry. Don't you wish Dr. Carroll was your doctor? I do. Um, But I want you to get this book. We've got to jump to a break. When we return in our final segment, I'm going to be discussing what Dr. Carroll just mentioned. Uh, the Christian's journey through grief. So many questions, Doctor Carol, we receive about grief. Those who mm. um, they're facing a holiday or a life event for the first time alone, without a significant person in their life—a loved one, a spouse, a son, or a daughter. I'm excited to hear what Doctor Carol has for us in the next day, segment. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnson Show, welcoming all of you listening live right now across Faith Radio Network and thousands of you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to encourage you again to check out all of our past archived broadcasts. Thanks so much for all those wonderful ratings and reviews. And by the way, this is a message. This is a program. uh, This is content today that you're going to want to listen to again. So if you're just catching us, uh, my guest today is Dr. Carol And she is amazing because she's not only a medical doctor and just an amazing person, but she also has a doctor of ministry. Uh, So she has this fabulous, holistic approach to soul care, physical care. Uh, And we've been having the most delightful conversation. So make sure you go back and listen to any of the previous segments you have possibly missed. Uh, Dr. Carroll, you mentioned in the last segment you lost your husband three years ago. And it was excruciating, but you were able to come through it to an extent, obviously, probably with a limp, I'm sure, uh, a limp that probably will never go away. But you've written a book called The Christian's Journey Through Grief. Oh, can you just talk for a few minutes and minister to thousands who are listening to you right now who are struggling with grief?
1: Mm. This is perhaps the most universal human experience. You know, the... The human experience has a 100% mortality rate. Jesus changed that. But we still live in this world where death is. Death hurts. It it hurts a lot. And there's no part of our humanness that is not impacted by the the experience of grief. If you have lost someone, you are impacted. Your physical body takes a, a level of... Um, of trauma that, frankly, I, I wasn't particularly expecting. I knew intellectually that I would be impacted physically, but I don't think I was prepared for the level of exhaustion that mm. grief brought in in my personal experience. Uh, and physically, some people respond to grief with. Being unable to sleep or sleeping all the time, your appetite changes, you, your body is impacted. Your emotions, of course, are impacted. Your brain doesn't know where to land. You can't focus your thoughts. Your your mind doesn't know what to do. Um, and God knows all that. Jesus knows all that. You know, the first thing that Jesus did when he came to Mary and Martha, when their brother Lazarus had died, the first thing that he did was was enter their grief. Jesus didn't come to Martha and say, now buck up, I'm here, um, you know, pull yourself together. He, he paused and he entered their pain and wept with them. He was present with them in the middle of their grief. That became incredibly precious to me because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter the... Family members that you have around you or the the supportive friends or pastors or others in the body of Christ, when you are grieving, there isn't any other human being that can be with you twenty four seven but mm-hmm. Jesus can mm. when you wake up two in the morning lonely or angry or in pain, Jesus is there, and I learned to take him with me on the journey, this journey of grief uh, and I believe any one of us can do that. Jesus invites us to invite him to come on that journey of grief with us. Uh, He will, and it makes a difference.
0: What did you mean in chapter three about doing the next thing? I think that's an important point.
1: When a loved one dies, the amount of stuff is overwhelming just at the time when you have the least resources to deal with it. And I and others going through this journey of grief can easily feel overwhelmed. The idea of doing the next thing is you don't have to worry about tomorrow or next week or next month. Sometimes you don't even have to worry about, you know, 10 minutes from now. Just do one thing right now. Just do the next thing.
0: Sometimes,
1: Mm -hmm. Doing the next thing will be getting out of bed and putting your clothes on. Sometimes it will be walking outside for 10 minutes in the sunshine. Sometimes it will be taking a nap when you're exhausted. Sometimes doing the next thing may be calling a friend and saying, "I I just need to hear another human being's voice. Sometimes it will be sitting down and saying, Jesus, I don't like this. You know, your prayer when you go through grief, your worship is almost certain to be different than at other times. There were many times I would just say, Jesus, I don't like this. I don't like going through this grief. I don't want to be here, humanly speaking. And that's okay. Sometimes that's doing the next thing. And realize that with incredibly few exceptions, you don't have to make long-term decisions. You don't have to deal with stuff that seems too much. Just take one small piece and do it. And the next thing will, will still be there.
0: What is it about grief that it can be so isolating? And I don't know if, if the enemy's involved in this or this is just the old sin nature. But when you grieve, it's like you just want to be alone and isolated and you go deeper and deeper into it. And yet you write in chapter five of your excellent book, The Christian's Journey Through Grief, Do Not Grieve Alone.
1: In grief, it can feel like you want to pull your tail figuratively across your nose and just curl up in a ball and, and go away. And, and that feeling is understandable. That's a, one of the most common human responses. But to stay there isn't healthy. The, the thing about grief is it hurts so much that most of us would want to do anything other than feel the pain. And isolating is a way to just close off everything and, mm-hmm. and try not to feel it. Some people may try and dull the pain with overwork or with substances or with, you know, doing uh, Some people will try and numb the pain with isolation and just closing their mind and body and everything off to God and people and and everything. Solitude can be healthy and you need times of solitude when you're going through grief. But isolation is dangerous. Mm. Mm. Um, And when when you are facing something this painful, God did not design us to go through it alone. It was one of the places where I had to exert uh, an w- incredible amount of energy myself to reach out to other people during that, during that early period, especially. And it became very valuable. Other people cannot grieve for you. They cannot take your pain away, but it will become incredibly valuable to reach out and grab someone else's hand along this journey.
0: I talk often on this broadcast and in my writing about the beautiful ministry of presence, just mm. being present. Can you talk to the individual who may not be grieving themselves, but God can use them to have a ministry of presence in someone's life who is?
1: It's normal to want to fix somebody. You see somebody that you care about, friend, uh, church friend, coworker, family member. You see somebody hurting and you want to fix it please don't mm-hmm. you know, um, what you can offer is your presence um, if you don't know anything to say, just say i'm I'm here i I see you um, mm-hmm. sometimes that's the most valuable thing that you can offer um, it's easy for people who see someone grieving to want to say something to you know to fix it or you know make them better and Too often that can end up just rubbing salt in the wound and and can be more hurtful than helpful. So uh, the most helpful thing is just to be there Uh, and, and kind of extending that a little bit. uh, Many people who are grieving need to talk about their loved one, but may worry that trying to do that is going to make somebody else uncomfortable in that ministry of presence. It can be very valuable to say just something simple like, um, tell me about your child or or your husband or your wife or or whatever, and just ask them to share. Um, Many grieving people will hesitate if they don't know it's okay to talk about it. Mm. But allowing that person to, to talk about their experience and about their loved one will be very valuable in their healing journey.
0: I have found that when people die, you know, people are sad um, for about 90 days, and then people, for the most part, kind of go on with their lives. I mean, I've just seen this. I've buried people as an ordained minister, and that's kind of the sad part about grief is that it doesn't go away. And you write in your book that it's definitely not true that time heals all wounds. Can you just talk about just the grief process long term and what Christians need to know about and just may not realize because they're busy in their own lives?
1: Healing doesn't just drop on you. Healing doesn't come simply because time passes, as you uh, alluded to that to that statement. Um, it's not something God just uh, zaps you with. It's something that you have to choose. Just like... God makes grain grow in the field and fish in the sea, but he doesn't put it on your plate or hand you a sandwich. Uh, We're responsible to choose healing and take it into our being. And doing the work of grief, I hated that term. I didn't want to do the work of grief. But I realized that that was exactly the thing that would help me go through it. And uh, intentionally choosing to take those steps is choosing to take healing into your being. And -hmm. and that may seem very, uh, very simple, but it's incredibly powerful. That means things like remembering, uh, whether that's journaling or uh, creating some physical reminder of your loved one or doing something to honor them. It means uh, wrestling with God about the why questions. That's part of doing the work of grief. It's It's thinking through what is my life going to be now? How am I going to take my loved one's memory with me into the future? One moment that was perhaps the most pivotal for me was a, a number of months after my husband had passed away. I retraced my steps to an anniversary trip he and I had taken a few years before. Stayed in the same hotel, ate at the same restaurant, walked on the same beach. I knew it would be excruciating, but I knew it would be important for my journey with mm. God in this in this grief. And I, I, I walked on that beach, and I cried, and I journaled, and I prayed until I got to the place of gratitude. I didn't even know exactly what I was looking for. But... I got to the place where I not only intellectually was grateful for who my husband had been, but I felt that gratitude. God was not asking me to be thankful my husband had died, but to be thankful for who he had been to me and for who I had become as a result of the loving marriage that we had experienced. And I got to feel that gratitude that was a big turning point for me. Mm. Um, The, the other last thing I would say about the longer term journey of grief early on, you can't see beyond the moment. It may be hard to see an hour from now or tomorrow. Um, As you continue to walk this journey of grief, your mind eventually becomes able to see farther ahead a week ahead a month ahead. I remember the first time I could imagine a year into the future. And that's a measure of your mind and your heart coming to a place of healing. You don't Mm -hmm. need to force it, but just be aware that that is part of the sun that will shine again.
0: You are encouraging to thousands who are listening to you right now, Dr. Carroll. And friends, this is just the proverbial tip of the iceberg of what she has written. Um, Right out of the laboratory of her own heart, I was fighting back tears listening to her talk about her anniversary trip, retracing Mm. those steps. I want you to get her book, The Christian's Journey Through Grief. Our time is completely up, but can I ask you to offer a brief prayer, Dr. Carroll, for someone who may be listening to you right now who is still walking through that grief?
1: Mm, Yes, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, you know what it's like to enter our griefs and I invite you right now to enter the grief of that one listening to be present with them perhaps in a deeper and more real way than they have yet experienced give them the assurance of your presence and that there is not a moment of this grief journey that you are not right there with them thank you for your love and your presence and your healing. And thank you that you have turned heaven and earth upside down to make things right, assuring us that one day death will die, that this is temporary, and that you will make all things right.
0: Mm. Amen. We agree in Jesus' name. Dr. Carroll, thank you so much for being with us today on the program.
1: It has been a pleasure.
0: Friends, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. Stay with us. Friends, welcome back to the final segment. What a powerful discussion with Dr. Carol Peters Tanksley. And I just want to add some important uh, notes as a PS. You know, until you have lost someone you love deeply, you really. It's hard to fathom their grief. And so I want to encourage you just to not necessarily have a prepared sermon for someone that's struggling with grief or a cliche or Lord help us, a bumper sticker. Um, friends, just have that ministry of presence. I'm here. I'm with you. I know you're grieving. I love you. I'm here. You know, people who have lost someone they loved deeply get it. And then you're able to comfort others. But even if you've not necessarily personally experienced that grief, you can be the love of Christ just by your presence in someone's life. And so what are some immediate things that you can do if you literally just don't know what to do or don't know what to say? Well, can I just share with you some things that I did early in my ministry career? Because just because you have a lot of degrees or you go to seminary for years or you have a PhD, there are certain things that they could never train you for. They can never train you for, as I one day stopped by a hospital and a man's turned, it was his moment to die, really. um, And he was gasping for air. And I was there trying to minister to him. As a young, I mean, think about it, fresh out of seminary student. I may have still been in seminary. I can see this man in my mind's eye right now gasping for air. There I am trying to encourage him in his hospital. He's fighting for every breath. Uh, He died something like, I think it was less than 25 minutes after I left his his hospital room. Um, And what I did in that moment was pray and just quote the scripture, or read the Bible. Did you know that you can just read the Bible if you have someone in your life who's grieving? Do you know the Word of God will always do the work of God? Just open the Psalms. Read about the comfort that God brings. Open up the Psalms and just read it and minister it into someone's life who's suffering. And then just say, I'm going to just sit here silently and just pray for you, or can I pray aloud if you don't want to pray silently? Um, And then I want to say this to those of you who may be struggling. Know that your profound grief and, and suffering is never wasted. God will and can bring good from it. Genesis 50, 19, and 20, what the enemy intends for evil, God will turn for good. And you know, I know you're heartbroken. I know you might be grieving yourself, but just know that it's not wasted. You know, it's so helpful for you to hear that your joy will return. God will restore your joy, and he will do it in his way and his timing, but he will restore it. What a fabulous day today to just minister to one another. What a fabulous opportunity for me to introduce you to Dr. Carol and these great answers that she's given to us. I thank God for Faith Radio, and I thank God for this broadcast. And make sure you never forget the enemy is a liar. Don't ever believe the lies of the enemy. Thank you so much for joining us today, and remember to subscribe to this program. Check us out on our podcast. We're always available on demand. This is The Jeremiah Johnson Show. I can't wait to see you next time. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. you also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of the Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do it with Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.